This morning in synagogue, we began the fourth book of the Tanakh, the Book of Numbers. And I'm going to summarize it for you in just a few words. The beginning of the book is preparation for the wilderness. The end of the book is preparation to enter the land. And in between, in the wanderings, the book is all about rebelling against God and against Moses. That's basically it. Prepare, rebel, prepare. Because the moment you give the Israelites like a little room, the first thing they do is rebel. We have rebellions about water, about quail, about Korach, about Balpur. It goes on and on and on and on. It's like every day they get up, they say, you know, it's another lazy day in the desert. What should we do today? And the kids go, let's rebel. And we go, yes, that's great. Let's rebel. And you ask yourself, why? I mean, yes, they're in the desert. Not a pleasant place to be. But why are there consistent rebellions? And this week, I have a new theory. I'm sure it doesn't account for all of it. There are a million reasons why people rebel. But remember that they were slaves. And you know what a slave doesn't have? A slave doesn't have any control. And then they go out into the wilderness, and God says, you have to do this, this, and this. And guess what? They still don't have any control. And you know how when children are little, they become oppositional because for the first time in their lives, they think, I want some control over this, so no. I think maybe the slaves in the desert for the first time realized, hey, guess what? We can take a little bit of control, and that feels good for human beings because it is terrifying to have no control. It's one of the reasons why I do a lot of flying. I'm on a plane. I'll eat. I'll read. I'll sleep. It doesn't bother me. But let that plane hit turbulence. And even though I know, I mean, I've heard from every pilot and expert and so on, the turbulence never brings down a plane. And don't worry. It's like hitting a bump on the road, and you're fine. But it's scary because you have no control. I don't bring this up, though, to talk about rebellions in the desert. I bring it up to talk about the scariest lack of control that a human being can have. Because the scariest lack of control that you can have is control over your own mind. It's one thing when the forces that attack you in the world are external to you. It is an entirely different level of fear when what's going on in your head terrifies you. If you've never felt scared of what goes on in your own mind, then just remember a time when you had a nightmare and you woke up and you were so grateful that the world was the world and not the world that your mind had just presented to you completely convincingly while you were asleep. 
Now imagine that that happens when you're awake. Between 2011 and 2021, the number of teens and young adults with clinical depression more than doubled. Between 2007 and 2019, the suicide rate for those in their early 20s rose by 41%. The suicide rate for 10 to 14-year-olds, 10 to 14-year-olds, tripled and nearly quadrupled for girls. Anybody who lives in the world knows that we are going through a mental health crisis and it's not only in the United States. There are lots of explanations for why this is happening. And when there are lots of explanations, what that tells you is nobody knows for sure. If you knew for sure, there would be one explanation. Part of it, certainly playing into it, is social media, without question. And the fact that it used to be when you were in school and one kid would say something not nice about you, it would be painful. But now, it goes viral. And everybody sees it. And things that used to be intimate and face-to-face -face are now spread all over the world, and that's a terrible way to grow up. I did a lot of things in elementary school and high school that I am really grateful are not on the internet. They weren't horrible, horrible things, but they weren't great. But nobody knows and nobody remembers except for me because it's not on the internet. Remember the time when you could go to a new school and you could be an entirely new person because nobody from your old school would be there and they wouldn't know what you did and now you can't reinvent yourself because it's frozen forever. Remember when spending time meant seeing another human being instead of scrolling through TikTok? over and over and over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden discovering that it's dinner and you spend an entire afternoon and not actually encountered a human face except on a screen. Or remember when you woke up in the middle of the night and there was nothing to do except go back to sleep instead of look at your phone with excitement and with worry because you never know what's there and the blue light shines on your brain, and then you can't go back to sleep. We have arranged the world to maximize our individuality and to minimize our community. And we know from study after study after study that the single most important thing in terms of mental health are your relationships. And when we all walk around with this tool that makes in-person relationships less likely, you will get an epidemic of loneliness. And guess what? 
we have an epidemic of loneliness. The pandemic didn't help, but it also didn't cause it. What caused it ultimately wasn't the cell phone and it wasn't the pandemic. It's the fragility of the human being and the human mind. It's the fact that the world is an uncertain and a scary and an unpredictable place. And we are all in precarious balance with what we call health. One thing we have discovered is it doesn't help to tell someone that they shouldn't feel that way. You have people say, I don't understand. These children, they have everything. And then there are these Holocaust survivors that went through terrible experiences, and yet they lived decent lives. How is it that this doesn't, it doesn't seem to match up? And the answer is right. Human beings are unpredictable, and things don't match up. And sometimes someone grows up in a wonderful and a loving home, and they're filled with despair. And someone else grows up in a home that's not so wonderful and not so loving, and they're filled with hope. And God only knows why. But what we do know is that we are learning how to help each other. That there are more and more resources in our community and in our world because people who care have recognized that there is increasing despair. I'm talking about this this morning not only because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, although it is, and not only because we have Dr. Jonathan Goldfinger coming here for two events on May 31st, which we do in recognition of Mental Health Awareness Month to talk about how to raise resilient adults in this world, and also to talk about trauma and well-being as a Jewish community. But I'm talking about this because this year, as you know, Sinai Temple launched its mental health center because we need to help each other. And we can't be a kihilakadosha, a sacred community, if we don't care about how others in our community are dealing with this difficult world. The Torah's message is that we are all in the wilderness, all of us, and that the wilderness is a frightening place because it is filled with indifference and with threats and with terrors that come by night. And it doesn't matter that you put a roof over your head and fancy clothes on your back, you are no different than the person who wandered in the wilderness. So I hope that you will help us help each other. The director of our mental health center, Carolyn Hoffman, is here this morning. And if you want to speak to her, I'm sure 
that she can talk to you about the resources that we have and the resources that we hope to develop. Under Rabbi Guzik's leadership and with the rabbinic team and the clergy, I hope that this mental health center will grow and flourish and help us all, arm in arm, hand in hand, comfort each other, uplift each other, love one another, and make it through the wilderness. Shabbat Shalom.